Good evening and welcome to our Sunday evening worship service. We're grateful for your presence. As always, if you're visiting, we do encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're grateful for a beautiful day. We are extremely thankful for the country in which we live, the freedoms that we enjoy. And this past Friday was a reminder of the independence that we share in this country. And our prayer is that God will continue to bless the United States of America for many, many years to come. We do have a number of people that are on the road traveling and out of town, and we pray for their safe return. And we pray that if you are traveling this week or in the coming days, that you too would be safe and have a very safe return back to us. We're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 7, and specifically we want to take note of what the prophet said in the long ago, beginning in verse 21 down through verse 29. And we're going to be thinking about the theme, a nation out of control. When you look at the prophet Jeremiah, it is evident that he was writing or pleading with people that had backslidden. As a matter of fact, he indicted them as having forgotten the Lord in chapter 2 at verse 32. Somewhat incredible that these people would forget the very God that had been so good and gracious to them in days gone by. And yet, one of the things that is apparent in looking at the history of God's people in days gone by is simply this fact. They failed to learn from history. Someone has said in the long ago that if we do not learn from history, then we are doomed to repeat it. Another individual has remarked in the long ago that if we do not learn from our historical mistakes, then ultimately we are going to be plagued with numerous problems. I think that this is reflected in the children of Israel time and time again. You can go back to the book of Judges and you see God's people in the long ago, how they would live faithfully for him over a period of time. And then they would wander away from his will, and thus God would raise up oppressors. And they would be oppressed for a period of time. And then they would cry out, and God would raise up one to deliver them, a judge. And this cycle occurred over and over and over in times past. But tonight, think with me, if you would, for just a moment or two about our theme, A Nation Out of Control. As we look at the children of Israel, particularly we're thinking about the southern kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom had already been plundered. They had been swept away into Assyrian captivity in about 722 B.C. Some 130 years later, the southern kingdom of Judah, they too would go into captivity. A remnant, however, would be spared, and it would be through that remnant that the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, would emerge. But nonetheless, the southern kingdom failed to learn from her sister in the northern kingdom. Well, in Jeremiah chapter 7, in verses 21 through 23, the first thing that Jeremiah does is to cite the great blessings that Israel had enjoyed in times past. And really, he talks about their provisions, the great provisions that God had lavished upon them in days gone by. 
In verse 23, he reminds them of the commandments that had been delivered unto them by Moses, the great lawgiver. Look at verse, well, look first of all, if you would, at verse 21. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat meat. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you. If you go back to Exodus chapter 19, following Israel's deliverance from Egyptian bondage, God said, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. And then he said, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you will be unto me a peculiar treasure above all the earth, for all the earth is mine. God here had given some very specific commands to ancient Israel. Those commands were both vertical and horizontal in nature. Vertically, those commands were instructions on how Israel was to live before her God. Horizontally, those commands related to one another. In other words, how the Israelite people were to treat one another. Well, they had acknowledged the fact that they would honor His will. As a matter of fact, if you look at Exodus 19 and about verse 8, the people responded to Moses after he had rehearsed these things to them. They said, all that the Lord has said, that will we do. Now bear in mind that the covenant that God had entered into with ancient Israel was conditional. Note again what is said in verse 23. This is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you. If you go back to Exodus 19, God had said, Obey my voice indeed. If you obey my voice then what? You will be unto me a peculiar treasure above all the earth, for all the earth is mine. There are people today that have the mistaken notion that Israel, that is the nation of Israel, is still God's chosen people. The covenant that God entered into with Israel was conditioned or predicated on their obedience to His will. Before Moses died, he set forth what is sometimes called blessings and cursings. And so prior to departing this earth, Moses said to ancient Israel, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, choose life that you may live. And yet, unfortunately, they dishonored and disobeyed God time and time again. But then also note, if you would, in verse 23, the comfort that God speaks of. In verse 23, he said, This is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, I'll be your God, you shall be my people. Walk in all the ways that I've commanded you, that it may be well with you. God wanted the very best for ancient Israel. And I think today, as we look around in our world, and as we think about the country in which we live, we would all readily agree that God has blessed this nation immensely. We have been in existence for over 200 years, and God has lavished upon this country great and manifold blessings. We have been blessed far more 
far more so than many other nations about us. And I really believe that one of the reasons that God has been so good to us is because there have been many people in our country in days gone by that have sought to revere His Word. God wants the very best for His people. He wanted the very best for ancient Israel. He wants the best for us today. Well, the means by which Israel could have enjoyed continued blessings in the eyes of God was to maintain allegiance to His Word. Now, I'm not saying that America is God's chosen nation. Far from it. But we have been immensely blessed in this country. As the song goes, God shed His grace on thee. God has indeed shed His grace on this country. And so that's something for us to be grateful for. We need to be eternally grateful to the God of heaven for His providential care and safekeeping of this nation. But I want you to think in the second place tonight of the behavior of ancient Israel. Picking up in verse 24, Jeremiah now talks about their perverse behavior. And really, when you begin to analyze the history of Israel, and in this context we're talking about the southern kingdom, the first thing that he's going to address is their refusal to be obedient to his word. Look at verse 24. Yet they did, not, they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. And then drop down, if you would, to verse 25. Since the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt until this day, I have even sent to you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet, he said, they did not obey me, or inclined their ear, but stiffened or hardened their neck. And then he goes on to say they did worse than their fathers. What a sad portrait of these people. I mean, we're talking about God's people here. They had been entrusted with the oracles of God. They had all of these rich blessings, and yet they spurned those blessings. Think about our country tonight. The rich blessings that attend our country tonight, beyond description, and really in many respects beyond compare. And unfortunately, there are many people in our nation today, even though they have, a, they have secured for themselves a copy of the Word of God, their lives are far from a reflection of this divine book. In many respects, there are individuals in our country today that have repudiated the very Word of God. They have said no to God's holy Word. We find not just their refusal, but their reversal. Note again what is said. In verse 24, Jeremiah said, They did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. If you were to go back to the days of the judges, it is said in chapter 21, verse 25, there was no king in Israel. And really I think what the writer is saying is that they refused to acknowledge God as their king. 
And so he said, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Is that not the case in our country today in many quarters? It's not about absolute truth. It's not about what the Bible says, but it's about what men and women think in their own hearts are acceptable or unacceptable. And so Jeremiah speaks of these people as walking in the counsels and imaginations of their own heart. Solomon said, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Sometimes we have the idea that we have it all figured out and that we can get by in this life without the Word of God, but that's not the case. When we spurn or reject, refuse, if you please, God's holy Word, then we only bring upon ourselves untold miseries. But also look at verse 24. He said, speaking of these people that walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, that they went backward and not forward. Here were people that were literally backing up, spiritually speaking. Now look at some of the great technological advancements that have been made in our country. You and I today, we live in the most technologically advanced age in the history of this universe. Can you imagine people that lived five, six, seven hundred years ago? If they had the opportunity to step into this era and see some of the advancements that we have in our midst today, what would they say? You and I, we can pick up a telephone and talk to, talk to someone around the world. We have cell, cell phones or cell telephones. And we carry those with us 24-7. And thus we have at our disposal the ability to talk with people at any hour of the day. Fax machines. We can put a document on a fax machine and transmit that document around the globe. We can look through a telescope and see this vast solar system. We have sent men to the moon. I can remember when I was a, when I was a young boy, staying up in the wee hours of the night, only to watch the first man walk on the moon. That's the kind of civilization that we live in today. Have we made great strides or advancements in this society, in this civilization? Absolutely. In the field of medicine. There were many people that died because of pneumonia in days gone by and TB. My grandmother died as a result of TB. And yet those are problems that do not worry us today, by and large. With the advent of penicillin, our lives have been made much better. And so medically speaking, we have made great advancements. We have gone forward in so many ways. But what about morally and spiritually as a nation? Can we make that same claim? Can we as a nation of people say that we have gone forward spiritually speaking? I really believe that our technological advancements are being overshadowed by our immorality and ungodliness. 
And so as the prophet said in the long ago, speaking of ancient Judah, he said they went backward and not forward. Is it not the case today that we as a nation of people are going backward and not forward? But then in the third place, let's note their burden, beginning in verse 27. Therefore you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. So you shall say to them, This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord our God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. How incredible. God's chosen people, the very nation that He had placed His divine stamp on, this nation that he had been so good to and had cared for and had provided so abundantly for, they had turned their backs on him. These people, they had the truth of God. And yet Jeremiah said, speaking on behalf of God, truth has perished. He said they will not receive correction. And so in verse 29 he said, cut off your hair and cast it away. Take up a lamentation on the desolate heights, for the Lord has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. We think about the punishment that was inflicted upon ancient Judah. You see, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian armies, or the Babylonian army, they came in and in three successive ways deported God's people into captivity. And they would remain in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. A remnant, however, as I said a moment ago, would ultimately be spared. But these verses remind us of the consequences of the sinfulness of these people. There is a verse that I really believe that all of us need to be very familiar with in this life. It is a verse that our nation as a whole needs to be familiar with. In Galatians chapter 6 at verse 7 Paul said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. As a nation of people, whatever we sow, that we will reap. You and I today as a nation of people, we like the people of old have sown, we have sown a bad seed. And as Hosea said, we will ultimately reap the whirlwind. Jeremiah in chapter 7 provides for the people of his day a sobering reminder of the past. Look at verse 12 if you would. In verse 12, here's what Jeremiah said to these people. He said, but go now to my place which was in Shiloh where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. In Shiloh, that's where the tabernacle rested. And the Philistines came in and literally plundered or defeated ancient Israel. And they captured the Ark of the Covenant. And God is saying here, if you want to see what's going to happen to you, 
If you want to see what's before you, go to Shiloh. See what I did to those people. If you want, if you want before you an object lesson, then that's where you need to go. The problem with ancient Israel, they had the idea that wherever the tabernacle was or the Ark of the Covenant, wherever that, that particular object was, then they were safe. All was well. Somewhat like what Jeremiah is saying in the early part of chapter 7 when he speaks of those who cry out the temple of the Lord. Well, surely you're not going to destroy us, Lord, because in Jerusalem, that's where the temple is. God is saying, not so fast, my friend. You go to Shiloh, you see what I did there. Look, if you would, at verse 13. And now, because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to this house which is, which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. What a sobering reminder. If there was any doubt in the minds of the people in Judah of what God was going to do to those people as a nation, well, it should have been plain to them. One of the things that I like about God is He's very transparent. He just lays it out before you. God does not deal in abstract terms. God says, this is, what, this is what my word says. This is what I want you to do. If you'll do it, I'll bless you. If you don't do it, then I will curse you. That's why Jesus said, whosoever heareth these words of mine and doeth them, him will I liken unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. But then he goes on to say, whosoever heareth these words of mine and doeth them not, him will I liken unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall thereof. Why? Because they failed to honor God's holy word. What then was the remedy for ancient Judah? What's the remedy for our nation today? Look, if you would, at chapter 7. Well, look at, look at chapter 6. And note, if you would, what is said in verse 16. Because I think in chapter 6, verse 16, we find the prophet pleading with ancient Judah. And basically, he's telling them, here is your remedy. Here is the cure. Here is the prescription. Well, what's the cure? What's the prescription for our nation today. In other words, how can we as a nation of people get back on track? Have you ever seen a train that has derailed? Well, that's what our nation has done. It has derailed. And here's what God is saying in chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand ye in the way and see. And as for the old pass wherein is the good way, and walk in it. I talked a moment ago about the comfort that God would afford his people if they would have only listened to his commands. Well, Jeremiah said, you'll find rest for your souls. You see, if you and I will honor the word of God, if we'll do what God says, 
If we will live in compliance with His will, He'll bless us. He will make life better for us. There are a lot of people in our nation today, they wonder why they have so many problems in this life. They wonder why their children are in jail. They wonder why they've been married and divorced three and four and five times. They wonder why things aren't going well at home. They wonder why they have all of these problems and all of these calamities in this life. Let me tell you why. By and large, it's because people have turned a deaf ear to the Word of God. And so as a result of that, as Hosea said, they're sowing to the wind, they're going to reap the whirlwind. If you sow bad seed, guess what? You're going to reap a bad harvest. That's just a law of nature. It's true physically, it's true spiritually. Now look at what the people said in verse 16. God said, stand in the way and see, and as for the old path, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and you will find rest unto your souls. But here's what the people said. We will not walk in it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine here are the people of God and the Lord himself is saying, listen, you are on a ruinous course. You are on a, a path that will ultimately lead in destruction. What you need to do is amend your ways, change your ways, turn back. I'm giving you time and opportunity to get right. And they said, we're not going to walk in it. You want to talk about a stubborn and obstinate group of people. Israel, they were the people. What about us? Will we as a nation of people learn from history? Let me just pause here and ask this question. Where is the northern kingdom today? They're gone. Where is the southern kingdom? Judah, they're gone. Where are the Babylonians today? They're gone. Where is the Medo-Persian empire? They're gone. What about the Grecians and the Romans? Listen, our country needs to awaken. The Bible says, righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach unto any people. Righteousness is what exalts a nation, not sin. Now let me just close by making this observation. I know that we're in the midst of, a, of an election year. And those who live in this country are going to be going to the polls and electing a president. And I'm not anti-government. I'm not anti-politics but I am not naive enough to believe that the course of this country is going to be changed by one man nor do I believe that the people in Washington have all of the answers to the moral and social ills of this country as a matter of fact in my humble estimation they have absolutely no idea what they're doing now, that's a fact. You look, at, you look at our nation today. It is in utter disarray, morally 
and spiritually it is bankrupt. And if you think the Republican or Democratic parties are going to lead us out of darkness, my friend, you have another thing coming. They do not have the answers. The only people that can change this world for the better is God's people, New Testament Christians. If you want to see this, this nation turn around, if you want to see this nation come out of darkness into light, then we as God's people need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and try to teach people the truth and then ultimately get them to obey it. Because that's what changes hearts. That's what changes nations. The gospel is God's power unto salvation. It's not what the Democratic Party, Party says. It's not what the Republican Party says. What we need to do as a nation of people is go back to the word of the living God and honor what this book says. If we'll follow this book, God will bless us. But I can assure you one thing. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But I believe that if we look at past history... If our nation chooses to abort its relationship with Almighty God, then God will turn His back on us as a nation. How do I know that? I'll just look at past nations. History will repeat itself. Now, it may not come in my lifetime. It may not come in your lifetime. It may not come in our children's lifetime. But if our nation continues the course it's on today, I see no way that it will stand as you and I know it. The question is, what are we going to do? We talk about a nation out of control. Judah was a nation out of control. Go back and look at Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their evil vices. God destroyed nation after nation because of their, their wickedness. Do you really think God's going to give us a pass? If God were to give us a pass, then it would only stand to reason that he would need to one day apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah, Nineveh, and other nations. What we need to do is turn back to the Lord as a nation of people. And I really believe that you and I tonight, as God's people, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We can make a difference in this nation. We can make a difference right here at home. But guess what? It begins with us. If this world is going to be changed, if this nation is going to be changed, it's going to be changed because New Testament Christians are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Because we take our responsibility seriously. Because we're going to be a leavening agent for good in this world. My plea to us, let's do what we can to encourage people to go back to the old paths and to walk in them. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, for the many blessings that we enjoy. We're grateful for this country that we live in, we're so thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy. And Holy Father, we realize that as a nation of people, we have moved far away from the ideals 
set forth in the Bible. And Holy Father, we pray that you would forgive us, that you would have mercy upon our country and that we as your people will have the courage and the conviction to boldly stand for what is right and to try to the best of our ability to lead people back to doing what is right. We ask, Holy Father, that you would bless each and every one of us. Bless us and be with us. We pray that we would do what we can to be an influence for good and to exalt this nation for the sake of righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a New Testament Christian, our plea to you would be to come to Christ. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. If you want real life, if you want to enjoy a whole life, what you need to do is turn to the Lord. If you're here tonight and you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess His name before others, be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, then God will add you to the church based on what is recorded in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 47. And then if you'll live faithfully, God will bestow on you the crown of life, Revelation 2, at verse 10. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, I plead to you this evening, come home to Christ. We would be happy to pray with you and for you. God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?